Hey guys, uh, happy May 12th. We are um, in our last week of notes together. I'm sure you're pretty tore about it. Uh, this is some of my favorite history, so I hope you do enjoy um, how modern we are getting. Um, so we last finished discussing the Korean War. You looked a little bit, hopefully on your own, at the Cambodian uh, Civil War. I have a lot more information on that if you are interested. Um, and so today we're going to pick up with the 70s and kind of push into the 80s. Um, <clears throat> a term that I want you to understand is detente. And um, basically, it's it's an attempt to decrease tensions. All right. Um, Khrushchev kind of sort of did this, you know, with... Um, JFK, Brezhnev is going to attempt to do the same thing with Nixon. Um, uh, and, and basically the, the, this, it's a framework to reduce tensions. Um, what Nixon's going to do, which is really quite pleasant and smart is he's going to play China and the USSR off each other. He actually visited China in 1972. He was the first American president since, uh, China fell to communism and then a couple months later, he actually visited Moscow. And so he kind of forced himself as like a wedge between the two. And this really, truly looked like it was like a calming of, of these horrible, tense Cold War tensions. Um, and this then led to, um, in 1972, uh, the signing of SALT, which both Brezhnev and Nixon agreed to stop making nuclear ballistic missiles and reduce the number of anti-ballistic missiles um, that each power would have only 200. All right. Now, again, this is just kind of a nice feeling. Um, the development of MIRVs, multiple independently targeted uh, re-entry vehicles, um, are, are going to be created. And this basically, it's it's a black cone with a warhead and can be like delivered to super specific targets. So that's going to make, it's going to kind of throw salt out the window, but uh, it's a move in the step forward. In 1975, there was a conference in Helsinki where 35 states agreed to, you know, um, respect the borders that were made from World War II and would not use force to change these borders. Um, so now, um, one of my all-time favorite, um, years to teach in, in all of world history, and I'm going to give you another plug. If you take my elective course, we spend a copious amount of time in 1979. I think the world would be so different if 1979 didn't exist. And I'm just going to give you like two minutes. So, um, first and foremost, um, Iran, if you go back to your old notes, and if you remember, we talked about Iran during World War II. We then talked about Iran in the 50s with the uh, coup of Mossadegh and Operation Ajax. Well, today in 1979, big events are happening. And so basically, uh, if you also remember the, um, you know, the in World War II, the country of Iran changed its name to Iran formally and officially. So the leader is Mohammad Reza Pavlavi, and if you recall, he has a secret police called the Savak. Um, and um, he, under his leadership, completely modernized Iran. Um, uh, you know, I have pictures on this PowerPoint, hopefully you'll take a look at, but very Western. You, would, you wouldn't know the difference. I mean, the 
participated in the World Cup. They had, you know, women that participated in Miss, you know, World, Miss Universe. Uh, women, women went to school. It, it very, there were TV shows very, very similar to a Western country. Um, uh, many conservatives in Iran um, left over from the 1953 coup. Uh, they hated this. They, um, they saw, they called the Shah a puppet. And um, the, the most important uh, speaker against America was um, the Imam Rula Khomeini. Uh, if you remember the Santa Madness video I showed you that Darius did, he did his on Khomeini. And Khomeini, he basically, he wanted to change Iran and make Iran go back to its true fundamental Shia Islamic state. Um, so uh, the Khomeini is um, exiled, naturally. Um, but, um, while he was exiled in Iraq, um, he kind of became like a legend, like he preached freedom, he preached greatness and, you know, he, he truly became a symbol of defiance. So, um, the Shah is doing his own thing, you know, America and, and Britain are helping him get rich, ourselves get rich. He travels to America, you know, our presidents travel to Iran, um, you know, it just, it just looks, it looks exciting. But one thing you do need to understand is the secret police, the Savak, I mean, they were brutal. They listened everywhere for dissent. There was torture. There were demonstrators, um, demonstrations that the police would just attack. I mean, it was, it was bad. So, um, in 1978, there was a newspaper. This was kind of like a feeble attempt for the Shah. Uh, the Shah at, uh, attempted to leak that the Ayatollah Khomeini was a closet gay and a uh, British secret agent. <laughs> so that didn't work. It did actually the opposite. Um, religious students and supporters of the uh, uh, Khomeini, they poured to the streets in protest. The police fired, killed 20. Then there was days of rioting. Um in Islam, there's a custom to honor the dead for 40 days after their dead. So every 40 days, the cycle just continued. Um, statues of the Shah were uh, torn down. Uh, the Khomeini kept, you know, continued to start violence. And basically, the, the country was in chaos. Uh, January 16th, 1979, the Shah left for Egypt. He actually never returned to Iran. Um, uh, mobs opened prisons, statues torn down, anything associated with the West destroyed. They were basically quote unquote, taking back Iran's identity. Um, fun fact for your day, KFC was targeted. Uh, Colonel Sanders face, um, was just destroyed. Um, and so this was all about, you know, getting back that Iranian identity. The men grew beards, the women wore black cloaks. Um, some Iranians during this time moved. Uh, Darius Ganji's family moved during this time. Obviously, he was not born yet. This is 1979, but his parents were. Um, in October of 1979, the U.S. Embassy was taken over by a crowd. Um, and this is extremely important. Uh, the reason why is because the Shah was diagnosed with lymphoma and uh, President Carter allowed the Shah into America um, to seek treatment in New York. And that just, that was kind of like the final... Um, for 444 days, there were 55 Americans that were held hostage. Um, some were beaten, some were in solitary confinement. Overall, though, you know, they were fed. Um, this was not the Ayatollah Khomeini's idea, but he did, he did agree to it. Um, 
basically they are there. There's a whole, I'm skipping over so many details and I'm really watching my time, but on January 20th, 1980, um, literally the night after Ronald Reagan was elected, the hostages were, um, released. Uh, Iran agreed if, uh, America, um, released $8 billion of frozen assets, um, and lifted trade sanctions. Um, so what's left in, in Iran is Sharia law, um, the hijab was worn. This is the head covering for women. Um, Non-Islamic um, forces were removed. Corrupt behavior and customs ended. No alcohol, no gambling, um, prayers, segregation of sexes. Um, basically, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of what's set up in, in Iran. So we're going to hop over to Afghanistan. All right, in the very same year, in December of 1979, uh, the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan. And uh, some of you have alluded to this in several of our conversations before, but this is a huge, huge event. If you take my senior class, we talk about Afghanistan almost weekly. Um, it was a special forces, the Spetsnaz, those are the Soviet special forces. They stormed the Tabjak Palace and they assassinated the Afghani uh, president, uh, president, president. Um, this, it was assumed, would be uh, a quick in and out, fast, fast um, uh, win for the uh, uh, Soviets. They um, did not realize that this would end up being their Vietnam. And um, they ended up stuck in this country for 10 years. And just a name that I do want to introduce you to is I have on your, your street is on your street on your screens. What you're looking at is, um, Shah, um, uh, Ahmed's Shah Massoud. And he earned himself the nickname, the lion of Panjshir. And he was a rebel fighter against the Soviets, a dominant military force. Um, he was one of the leaders of the Mujahideen. These were the uh, freedom fighters, the Afghan freedom fighters. Um, he uh, had great character. He was respected. He was a natural leader. Just so you know, at the end, um, we we consider him, and we being America, consider him a hero as well. He was our best chance to get bin Laden, to bring down the Taliban. Um, so he, he really is a true phenomenal leader. Um, he, yes, he's Muslim. Uh, he didn't you believe in slaves. He didn't believe in enslaving uh, females. He didn't believe in using kids as suicide bombers. He supported female rights. He supported education. He basically wanted to establish a democratic, independent Afghanistan without foreign power, right? Um, and he's also known as the Afghan who won the Cold War uh, because basically how we're going to get involved in this is America. Uh, it's, if you've ever seen the movie Charlie Wilson's War, it's one of my favorite movies of all time ever. But uh, the CIA under the leadership of um, Texas Congressman Charlie Wilson basically leads a covert uh, funding a, a, it gets up, it starts at like $100,000 and it gets up to over a billion dollars, right, of funding the Mujahideen. And it's it's all secret because remember, this is the Cold War. We can't like be open about it, right? So we have to get our weapons through Pakistan. And then uh, this is also when I want to introduce you to a man by the name Osama bin Laden. Osama bin Laden is um, working um, this war as well. And so he is using our money and our weapons to help... Um, get more 
freedom fighters for the Mujahideen. All right. Most of his work is in Pakistan. He does slip into Afghanistan. Uh, it's tricky because he's Saudi Arabian and Saudi Arabia also can't admit they're in this war. So, and he's royal Saudi Arabian. So he's told not to go to Afghanistan. So he does, but most of his time is spent in Pakistan. All right. This weave that I'm very simplistically weaving for you is, 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 is very, very important. Um, he will hold a meeting in 1988, February of 1988, um, right before the end of, of the, this war, right before the end of the cold war. And it's about 15 of his, of his bros and they're meeting in a cave, right? In Afghanistan. That is the first official meeting of Al Qaeda. They see, they claim that they're successful for kicking the Soviets out of, uh, the Soviet Union, I'm sorry, of Afghanistan. And they say it's all them and they want to take their jihad to the global level. And so that my friends is the formation of Al Qaeda. And with that, I'm going to leave you with the Beatles. I hope you're doing really well. I really hope to see you soon and make good choices.